Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, uh, a very warm welcome to you tonight to Calvary Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. And let me be the first to say to you, Merry Christmas. Well, I'm sure lots of people have said it to you already, but uh, I can officially say it to you. Merry Christmas. And so we are glad that you are here. Um, In a moment this evening, we are going to sing probably the most popular Christmas carol ever written, Silent Night. And tonight is its 200th anniversary. I actually read that it is the most downloaded song of all time. Originally composed in Orbendorf near Salzburg, Austria, picture the sound of music, um, Silent Night was written by Joseph Moore, the village pastor, while the church's organ was under repair. Now, many scholars argue that the profundity of Moore's carol is that it can be uh, beautifully sung with or without any instrumentation, which creates an aura of sentimentality and nostalgia. However, that is not what makes Silent Night profound or enduring for that matter. It does contain both sentimentality and nostalgia, but what makes Silent Night profound and enduring is that it conveys in such simple detail the bleakness of the situation and the warmth and the wonder of the miracle which had begun to take place in Bethlehem. When you peel back all of the layers of sentimentality and nostalgia, you are reminded once again that Silent Night and the season of Christmas is about the gift of Jesus, whom we worship tonight. And this is my first point. When you peel back all of the nostalgia, when that's all gone, when the sentimentality has passed away, Tonight, our hearts are moved to comprehend, maybe not fully understand, but are moved to comprehend that what we are doing here tonight is worship. Here on earth, as creatures, we join our voices with all of the company of heaven to worship Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, with, as the carol goes, the dawn of redeeming grace. For Jesus is Lord at thy birth. However, what makes Jesus worthy of our worship this evening? That's the question. And as Christians every day of our life, what makes him worthy of such a thing? Because being interested in Jesus, respecting Jesus, simply liking Jesus, is different than giving him our worship. Worship It's actually defined as giving total allegiance, devotion, and reverence to someone or something. And this is what we're doing. The first four verses of our epistle reading tonight, from the first chapter of Hebrews, is actually in Greek, one tremendously profound, long sentence, which articulates why Jesus as the Son of God, is worthy of our worship. And I'd like to highlight for you this evening three reasons so that you might continue to grow in your worship 
in your faith and your trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord as we enter into a new year. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews was written to an early Jewish church. And maybe you've watched the Discovery Channel and they say that the divinity of Jesus came along much later. Not true at all. From the earliest times, the church saw Jesus as divine. And the author of Hebrews is writing to an early church, an early Christian church, filled, made up of Jewish converts who had received Jesus as their Messiah. And he writes, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son. What's being conveyed here is, is that since the beginning of time, God has always been speaking. This is one of the things that separates the Judeo-Christian God from the pagan gods. We don't see God, we hear him. He's a God who speaks to us. And so he's been speaking through prophets and sages. Moses had a word. David had a word. Isaiah had a word. Jeremiah had a word. But now in these last days, we have the whole picture of what God wants to say to us. The word made flesh, born in Bethlehem, in the person and work of Jesus. And the word the author says, goes all the way back prior to creation. He's always been, because this word creates all things. And this word is the very reflection of God. You want to know what God has to say to you? Look to Jesus in flesh. Hear Jesus and hear his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, all to you. So, the first reason Jesus is worthy of our worship is that he's God's final word in flesh that sustains all things. Second, and this is really at the heart of the matter, Jesus is worthy of our worship because as the author writes, take a look, Jesus has made purification for sins and has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So if he's God's word, this means Jesus is also God's final sacrifice. In this babe, babe's entire life and death, not only was the prefigured, prefigured in Israel's sacrificial system fulfilled, but by that shed blood, you and I actually have all that is needed to stand clean, righteous, and justified before God. It is that good. It is not what would I do for God, but what has God in Jesus done for me? And so this leads us to the third reason Jesus is worthy of our worship. The author writes, and this is profound, in his death and resurrection, Jesus has become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. They were fascinated with angels. We're fascinated with angels. I mean, the kids at the pageant fight over who's going to be Gabriel. But what the author is saying is that the title son, and he's always been the son, but the title son is not a metaphor. Because when he made purification for sins and rose from the dead, 
Christ's humanity now distinguishes him. His fleshliness, we all want to escape and become orbs. No, he enters into creation. And in his fleshliness, that distinguishes him from angels. And it distinguishes him more than simply a servant. He's not just a servant, but as son of God, which is the Hebrew title for their king, he reigns as the God-man, Jesus Christ. So the Son of God, not only by his eternal right, but now by the right of his victory over sin and death for us, reigns on high. And this is my second point. Tonight is not the beginning of the story, and it most certainly is not the climax, nor is it the end. And when taken as a whole, Sentimentality and nostalgia are overtaken by awe and wonder and worship. For Jesus, as the Son of God, is worthy of our worship because this infinite power, this infinite light, this infinite God has come to our poor earth and through the sacrifice of his flesh, purified us of our sins so that we might now stand before God, pure, holy, totally innocent. If you are burdened by your past, oh, what wonderful news this is, for it tells you that he has buried your sin in himself, in his death, and it is dead too. My colleague, Jim Monroe, shared with me recently a story about a woman named Janelle that illustrates what this is actually all about and means for you when the rubber hits the road. Janelle was working in the North Tower of the Twin Towers on September 11th. And when the plane flew in, of course, everyone flooded the stairwells and were running down trying to escape. And when Janelle got to the 13th floor, that's when the tower collapsed all around her. Surrounded by dust, darkness, and pain, Janelle had essentially been encased in a steel beam and was unable to move any part of her body except her left arm. She couldn't cry out because the dust was so thick that it clogged her throat. And so in this grave... Janelle prepared to die and said a small prayer. She said, Lord, save me. Sometime much later, she recalled, where her left arm was free, a hand reached out of the darkness to take hold of hers, and a voice said to her, Janelle, I've got you. My name is Paul, and I'm not going to let you go. Janelle was unable to recall how long she held hands with that man in the darkness, but soon she heard other voices shouting, and Paul said to her, don't worry, they'll get here soon. Finally, Janelle could hear the sound of the machines cutting through the steel, and then there was light and many hands now reaching in to save her. And 27 hours after that attack, Janelle Guzman became the last survivor to emerge from the ruins of 9-11. But when Janelle looked around and when she asked, 
And when others asked as well, no one named Paul was ever found. Now, what does this mean? Well, was Paul God? I don't know. But I do know that this illustrates something. We worship tonight. We worship tonight because not only the height of glory, but the depths of abasement. Not only God's infinite majesty, but more importantly, his infinite self-humiliation because of the depths of his great love for you and me, meet in a baby, born in a manger, to a young girl named Mary, betrothed to a carpenter named Joseph, who didn't have enough foresight to book a room, in the armpit of the armpit of the Roman world. And tonight, gathered around the manger, we worship because our God has gone to not only great heights, but more importantly, great depths to get his hands dirty and reach them into creation and redeem them. For with those same hands that flung the stars into the sky, you can believe with those wounded hands, he now hangs on to you. And this is my third point. While you may not be buried under a tower, many of you have gone and are going through the ringer in 2018. And you may feel like you're lying underneath the heavy rubble of life. Take heart. The central message tonight, the gospel is, while you may not know where to look, while you may not know where to hold, Christ holds fast to you. For in your darkest hour, our glorious God, who makes his grand entrance into human history in an animal trough, now meets us in humble means of bread and wine and gives us a promise and reminds us of the promise that the Son of God, who has died for you, is risen for you, and is coming again for you. And make no doubt about it, no matter how low you go, even death itself, he will never let you go. That's the promise tonight. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.